When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Manchester Football Social Legend Review. Good evening, this is the Manchester Football Social. I'm Jim, and as always, we've got a load of footballing stuff to talk about over the next hour. Manchester United, Manchester City, and everything in between as well. And we're expecting fireworks in the air and in the studio tonight. And to do that, to set them off, we've got our two legends as always. We've got Pocket Rocket Mickey T. Evening, Mickey. Good Jim. And we've got our blue flyer Gary Owen. Evening, Gio. Jimbo, how are you? Very good, thank you. We've also got an extra special guest in the studio this evening in the shape of... Comedian and City fan Mike Newell. Evening, Mike. Hello, you all right? Very good, thank you for coming in. I think before we get on to the pressing matters of the football, we need to talk to Mickey T because he was literally in the red corner this weekend. Some pictures floating around on social media, Mickey, of you standing next to the one and only Conor McGregor. Yeah, he was lucky to do that. I have to give him credit. I said that before I came on there. Uh, it's quite unusual. I went to see Mike Tyson, really. That was my uh, thing there. To see him for the first time. Disappointing with that. Really? Like before. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, question and answer, but they were venting. Obviously, you could know yeah. what was coming. It's not like uh, tempo to it or nothing. And then uh, I got out early, and as I came out at the same time with a guy called Colin McGregor, who obviously is a big UFC star, and uh, he had about 30, 40 guys around him. 48 pounds or something like that, all around him. Could get, and then he, what did he say? How you getting on, Mickey? How you getting on? I had a picture with him, Jim. He wanted a picture with me, Jim, which is nice, so I was made up with that. I think he must have been drunk to have a picture with me, but he wanted one. Here's the question, Mickey. Could you take him? Uh, well, uh, if he was tied with arms around his back... Did you pass that question, by the way? <laughs> I thought he'd be, no, no, he's very, very good. Yeah, he's, he's a humble guy, actually. I know he comes over quite arrogant and cocky and that, but I thought he was a good guy. I, I, Good value. Within five or ten minutes, but he good value. Well. To, be, to be fair, when you stood next to him, that's exactly what you'd have to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he was, though, guys. I mean, everyone's got, you know, portrays him as a, as a wild man, a little bit, is a little bit, a little bit. But I, I know from my experience being in life that Fergie on the TV, everyone hated him, but off the pitch, you know, off the TV, 
Biggie was a great guy. Mm. Sports yeah. needs personalities like that. Everyone needs personalities like that. So that's Mickey's weekend. We'll talk about the footballing weekend very, very soon. Your thoughts, as always, are very welcome. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five is the phone number. Let me give that number again if you want to get involved. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five eight double seven double one is the text number as well. Jose Mourinho claiming that his team could have been six down at half-time versus Bournemouth this weekend, whilst it was six for Manchester City against Southampton. But we've come to expect nothing else from the Blues. But here's something I want to get your views on a little bit later. Mauricio Pochettino was the the heart of the discussion on the full-time Devils takeover on Thursday night on the Manchester Football Social, with the boys in the studio suggesting that maybe the Spurs boss isn't quite ready to step up to a big club like Manchester United right now. Here's my question that I was pondering over the weekend. And I don't say this to stir a hornet's nest, but why would Pochettino want to move from Spurs to Old Trafford at the moment? At Spurs, he's building a team. He's probably, arguably, got better players in that squad at the moment. He's about to move into a new state-of-the-art stadium. And I'd even argue, potentially, that Tottenham are showing more ambition than Manchester United right now. So why would he want to trade all that in for what apparently would appear to be absolute chaos at Manchester United? A team that needs improvement, owners that some people say use the club as a cash machine and a top-level management system that needs complete overhaul, addressing from the top down. If I were Pochettino right now, even if United did come knocking, I think I'd want to stay put in London. We'll get onto that shortly. I love your views. Explain to me why Pochettino would leave Spurs and go to Old Trafford. 0345 7625 is the number to call. 87711 on the text. But first, let's focus on the weekend's action. Wins for City and Manchester United. And for Manchester United, Mickey, a good three points. But it could have been very different. City, um, obviously 6-1 their result was. But our result was obviously a little bit flattering because... I said to the guys before we came on, United in the first 45 minutes were battered, really. I don't know how they only got the one goal. I, th- I thought Bournemouth gave a good account of themselves. We were lucky, rode a luck, but you have to give you that credit. Second half, they, they played like they can do uh, and I won a game against the side that hasn't lost at home. Well, United could have scored three, four, five in the second half, couldn't they? Yeah, but, uh, but Bournemouth, guys, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. if you look at it and, and analyse it really well and, and think, you know, don't be biased, I mean, Bournemouth, for me, we're, we're a good side in the mm. 45 minutes. They could have got two or three goals, but uh, we rolled our luck. Um, we, defensively, we were all over the place, but we got the win in the end uh, because we, you know, we, we know we've got a couple of easy games coming up in Juventus and City, so you know, we had to win the tough game against Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, the big one. <laughs> Everyone we had to win to the big one. Yeah, so yeah, but we needed that win because, as you know, the next two games are going to be very, very difficult. Certainly the, the, the derby at uh, the Etihad is going to be a really, really interesting game in terms of, you know, City are smashing teams for fun mm. and they demonstrated that against Southampton. But the one glimmer of hope, they did concede the goal, so maybe we'll have a chance. <laughs> yeah. I remember everyone saying when Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge at Manchester United, everyone would say... The team's winning ugly, and that is the sign of a good team. A team that can go out there, play bad football, and still come away with three points. Manchester United are playing incredibly ugly football at the moment, and they're getting three points. That's a, a massive run of two victories in a row now, Mickey. So why are yeah, they getting panned for Jim, it? On the bigger picture, when you play against better sides, you know, more superior and that, and more quality in terms of City coming up and Juventus, you know, that is a test for you. You know, you can get away with it against lesser teams, you know, not play well. Newcastle was a poor performance, but second half, you know, they, they won the game. But when you do it against a high-profile team... 
and, and good teams in Juventus and City, you're not going to get away with it. So you have to play for 90 minutes. If you, you know, if you don't do that, you know, you're going to come unstuck. There's no question about that. You can't rely on 45 minutes to just win football games. You have to be a team for 90 minutes. Although, did it in the last derby. Only played in one half, I suppose. Mm. You know, and you won the game. How that yeah. was not six at half time, <laughs> oh, yeah, I have yeah, no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, won the game, yeah. But that obviously was a performance that they needed the goal from Van Persie with a free game. But, you know, it's not easy, is it? You know, you're in confident mood, you're, you're, you're scoring goals for fun. Um, but it's not an ordinary game, is it? It's a derby game. So that's, for me, will give me confidence before that game starts. I, I think before the game starts, I'll start believing we can get something from the game because you have to believe that. But, you know, it, it is like re- role reversal. United fans are now thinking how we used to... F- yeah, yeah. Before yeah. we went, before we went Cup to final. Old Trafford, well, <laughs> we used to think, well, hang on a minute, yeah, yeah we can. Yeah. On the luckiest yeah. day of our lives, we might get one. I'm not saying it's going to be luckiest day for United. United's got far different players than what we had at that time. But we'd go there and think, well, you know, yeah. let's let's make sure that we can come out of this unscathed and yeah. and, and, and the occasion we've been able to win it. But it's made no difference even when we beat United because United just smiled at us and went on to win the league, as we did when we got beat last year and went on on to win the league. But I've said on this show. Jim, I think I've said to you, and you said, what was the game like? And I'll say it again. If I say it could have been 10, I'm not exaggerating, and I've said it most games this season, we can beat teams at 10. Mm. And when it got to six, I said, this is going to probably be the game that we score 10. And really, again, it could have easily been 10. Six flattered Southampton. But let's not take anything away from it. Southampton had their own chances. They could have scored. We were just all-out attack right from the beginning. That game could have finished 10, 10-3. Easy. And you look at that, and you look at that scoreline, and I think Pep Guardiola has now broken the record for the amount of wins by more than four goals that any Premier League manager has ever had, particularly in quite a short space of time. And then you look at Manchester United in the same games from the weekend, and defensively, and Jose Mourinho said this afterwards, defensively, they look very poor. Mourinho has always based his success on very solid back lines, very defensive teams, even when he had attacking players, players that could stop conceding goals. And that seems to be a real issue at the moment. And the surprise for me that Eric Bailly is nowhere to be seen in this mix. Well, the thing is, you know, as I mentioned before, the two games now, I mean, he will obviously think, how can I get a result? Certainly Juventus now, but he will have one eye on City, no question about that. Um... I just think that City have got so much quality, so much quality, and I can't come on the show and say, you know, that they're lucky, they're not, they are a magnificent side scoring wonderful goals, and how do you stop that? Well, he'll have a game plan, won't he? There's, there's no question about that. I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll be more conservative in his approach to that beep, game. Beep, 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 well, beep, well, I mean, beep, if I can beep, get a bus, beep, I'll go and park beep, one there, guys. But, uh, <laughs> but it's a derby, and we've got, you played in, I played in derby, yeah, you played in derbies. They are not ordinary games. No. Things change, mentality, way of thinking about games and that, you know, City are scoring goals for fun, but they'll be aware that Manchester United can do a job on goals them. Goals change, not just score lines, but yeah. change attitudes. Yeah. And I've seen that so many times. Yeah. You know, you you get... Once we got to three against Southampton, you could see them. They were mm. thinking how long's left and there's still some like 60 minutes. So you can can imagine it was not it was not the nicest afternoon for them. And then when we take one off, we bring one on equal is good. So... It, it was not a nice afternoon for Southampton, but give them credit, they did they have did their have chances. chances. Yeah. Ad- chances. Addison made saves, which he is... He made two great saves. But as I say, guys, and to my, and that, it's a game, that it's a derby game, that United won't go there with any fear. They'll go there you know, to try and get a result. 
but be it a draw or whatever, they'll go there and, and they'll have to be confident. Of course they will. Question about that. But let me ask you this though, Mickey. You play Juventus on Wednesday. Do United have to win that game? Or do, no, no, not no, have to win it, sorry. not really. Do no. they have to get something out there? What, uh, I, what I'd would like happen get, if they get, get beat a, I mean, a draw would be... I mean, Valencia, see, their result against Young Boys was a bad result yeah. for them. If they yeah. won that, then it would be in a different picture on, on that. On that so, point. really, forget the Juventus game, because I you need the, to beat the Valencia, Valencia game. That is the big, big one. If they win that, then, then, then they'll, they'll qualify, but... It's not, it's not easy, is it? Because Valencia came to that and got a result. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but the you focus that, is on, boys. you know, of course it's the events is up first on Wednesday, but they will have that one night on a derby because it's a huge game. Who not, leads you know, the line for you now for Manchester United? Because we saw Lukaku out via injury at the weekend and Sanchez, Rashford and Martial all stepping into that role. And it looks like United, with those three up front, those three leading the line, they played in a different way. They seem to have a little bit more movement, almost a little bit more dynamic in attack. Is that kind of the end of the line for Lukaku with the form he's in? Is he going to get his place back? Or are those three, those more mobile players, do they become the front three for the foreseeable? I, I think it's easy to criticise an individual. I, I think, you know, I do protect Lukaku in, in terms of what he gets when he plays, he doesn't get any real quality ball to him. Uh, they don't get any balls from wide position to get him the ball in the 18-yard box. He, he gets one or two opportunities, not that much in a 90-minute game, and he doesn't take advantage of that. So they say he's not good enough, but I'll, I'll give you that question in a few weeks if he's playing regular and getting numerous opportunities. He hasn't been able to do that in that team. It's, not, know, necessarily, I, I it's not necessarily about sure. saying whether a player isn't good enough or not, though. It's saying how a play, how a team set up with Lukaku as the front man. It's very different to having Alexis Sanchez at the front man, yeah, who was probably United's best player in a poor first half. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku, for me, you know, he's got his own way of playing, and it's not his back to goal. No, it's he not. needs the ball over the over the top where he can run onto, and that he's powerful. No question about that. Uh, Rashford, for me, uh, Martial certainly having a good period of play at this moment in time. Rashford. Is young, but I still think now he needs to get this consistency in his game and be a bit more clinical in, in front of goal. There's no question he's, he's a talented footballer, but you know, you've got to be able to take the opportunities when they come your way. As for free scoring City, Gary, mm -hmm. I said there was a good stat about Pep Guardiola and the amount of times he's scored four or more goals. It's the 12th time under Guardiola that City have scored five or more goals in a league time game. It's the sixth time they've done it in 2018 and the first team that's ever achieved that in a single year. If this was any other season, you, City would already be pretty much have one hand on the trophy, wouldn't they? If it wasn't for the former Liverpool and Chelsea at the mm. moment, you'd have them down as title favourites. We are playing no. better this season than we did last season. We're, we're Which is an incredible point statement. Point. Yeah, we are. We're playing Absolutely. better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We're playing Especially better. Now. And you know, just yeah. give you another stat. I think we've scored. I think we've scored five times. Twenty seven. Twenty seven times since wow. the last time United scored five. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch that, that team good? play, yeah, twenty seven times we've scored five since the last time United scored five. It might be twenty eight after yesterday. I've read that stat though. Myself, yeah. 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 When you were watching the game at the weekend, this is an interesting question for you, Mike, as a City fan standing and watching the game on TV or in the stands, and City were 3-1 up, I think, at the time. I was watching the highlights, and they were in the box, and they seemed determined to walk the ball across the line. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that frustrating as a fan? Do you want them to be a little bit more ruthless, a little bit more clinical, or do you want to see them... I loved for one of better, we're doing an Arsenal. I loved it. it was so. It, it was hysterical. But they couldn't get it out of the feet. They just couldn't get it out of the feet to get gap, a striking. Yeah, yeah. But when you said ruthless or, or what was the other word you used? Ruthless or what? 
Deadly. Yeah. Deadly. I think six is probably ruthless and deadly. But about 3-1, they're still a potentially... I mean, they must have felt very comfortable in that place. Bit, there? There was a yeah, but it still could have been more than six. It could have been easily more than six. And um, they just couldn't get out the field. They just couldn't get the ball into a place where they get a... That was, that was everyone around it was, was just la laughing the red. It was, it was hysterical. It was great. It was, like, the the kids don't, it was like kids on a playground on a on a football field, all like eight and nine year olds, all chasing the ball, all trying, couldn't get it out of the feet, couldn't get away. The defenders couldn't clear it, the attackers couldn't score. It was hysterical well, was, for a couple of minutes. They still had the ball. <laughs> there was like three Southampton players around <laughs> each one of these players and they're just knocking it about, trying to find the shot. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. <laughs> I think this might be a bit of clutching at straws, but I was looking across the footballing websites. We all know how the print media likes to revel in negatives sometimes. And there was a headline I saw that said, Edison's complacency will cost City against better sides. Oh. Obviously, he gave away the penalty at the weekend. It's very difficult to find a negative when your team's just won 6-1, but they seem to have managed it here. Is there a concern that maybe in the games where Edison is having a quiet period, and he will have quiet periods because he's got an amazing defence in front of him, but his concentration might be lacking, or is, the, is this clutching at straws? No, but he saved us time after time, which is hardest. The keeper, he judged when he's had nothing to do. Schmeichel is a perfect example. He had nothing to do at United, then was called into it. I mean, that's the class of a keeper. I mean, because he brings a player down going through, maybe maybe he was a bit rash coming out because he wasn't going anywhere, really. He was going wide. Maybe shouldn't have come, but, you know, he came out, he did it. But, I mean, cost City goals... He's probably our, our most creative player. I think he's made three goals for us already this season. The one yeah, that's quite, that's quite a claim yeah. when you've got De Bruyne and David yeah. Silver in your team. That Edison's your creative player. as many as anybody. I mean, and he's a goalkeeper. So I've no, I have no. Can't get on his back. Uh, no, for, um, I mean for one mistake. Well, one mistake for me. It was a mistake because there's no need even to come. He, the play was going wide. He could have stayed where he was, but he, he felt he could get it. But he made two great saves after that. So, you know. Uh, Plus, I, uh, me personally, I don't know about yourself, but I, I, for me, I wouldn't have anybody, anybody different. I'm quite happy. No, with no, it. and he's normally just he's he's always so cool on the ball, and you know, it's, you know, it's not very often he does that. And plus five as opposed to plus six, we'll let him off. Mm. The one <laughs> big issue before the game that was being talked about was Gary Neville's accusations towards Pep Guardiola that he employed tactical fouling mm. within the game to claim an advantage and. This is a question for you, Gary and Mickey, really, in this scenario, because you've played the game. As far as I'm concerned, now Pep denies he uses tactical gal uh, tactical fouling, but that that's part of the game, isn't it? it? There's a, isn't I agree. A team Gary Neville's absolutely use... right. Gary Neville is absolutely right what he said. I've seen it. I've seen it with Walker. I've seen it with Laporte. I've mm -hmm. seen it with Fernandinho. Fernandinho yeah. I've seen well because if sorry, Vincent Company, if we get caught in just get caught in a wrong position where we could be exposed. They don't They do not do something that's going to hurt them. They just block them off. It's which, gamesmanship, which is isn't it? It's the same as taking the ball into the corner when there's a few minutes left on the clock and protecting it. It's no different to that. All you're doing is, of course, it's all part and parcel of the game. Now, for the purists, they say, no, no, it shouldn't be done that way. Well, it shouldn't be. Well, in that case, then you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't get somebody in the corner holding your body against him, which is obviously fouling the guy that's trying to get the ball off him because he's just he's just using everything to stop the guy getting it. So that shouldn't be, but it's all part and part of the game. Uh, I don't see a problem with it, Gio. I no. mean, if you get results, if you're going to take a booking for your team, do it. 
I don't buy into Gary Neville's. Um, he's right though. What he says, I'm not, I'm not he's right. I'm not. I'm not bothered. You know, he's, not, he's played a game himself. I'm sure he's done things. Of course, they've all, everybody does it. We've it's done pre- it. It's not cynical. Break up our play. Yeah, it's not. It's not exactly. Yeah, In which case, isn't Gary, it slightly I bizarre? Gary, but no. Mm. I mean, all teams, you know, try and get an advantage. You know, if it, if it helps your team win the game, you're going to commit that professional. Blocking thing, off or pulling his shirt back. I mean, is is pulling his shirt back worse than just blocking? Or is a blocking off somebody worse than pulling somebody's shirt back? Or or, or taking them out when the ball's nowhere near. So, it, listen, it's all part and parcel. The referee has to decide what's right and what's wrong. But Is it slightly bizarre, though, that Pep Guardiola would then go to the effort of... We've all accepted it happens in games. We watch it every single football game. There is tactical fouling. Players are brought down when they're through or on a break or whatever it is. So it's slightly bizarre that Pep Guardiola's gone to the effort of denying it happens, particularly when there is footage from the Amazon yeah, documentary of Mikel Arteta giving that exact yeah, instruction to his team. I don't believe that they, they say, right, listen, if, if you're out of position, just do it. I think it just it's a natural thing in a player. If a player's caught out, uh, out, sometimes you will do it. You go across and you put an arm across, you, you put your body across them, let them run into you, and, they, and you probably hurt yourself by trying to block them off. So it, it's... This is nothing new. What's happening? It's no, happening with all con- the great I mean, teams. there's not not enough contact in football. You know? No, there isn't. There's not enough at all. And no, Mike, you looking from the outside for you as a fan, you don't detect that that you're trying to. Liverpool play a game. had it. United uh, have had it. A, uh, all the top teams have had it. Arsenal had it. Do you think Vieira was uh, an angel? <laughs> no, I mean it's gone on. I mean I don't think it's just, I don't I don't think it's just a team sort of say yeah we've got, we've got to do that we've got to do that we've got to stop and play. 0345 is the phone number if you want to get involved in tonight's Manchester Football Social. Gary Owens here, Mickey Thomas here. We've got Mike Newell in the studio as well, City fan and comedian. If you want to get involved, have your say. 0345 I want you to call me up if you can convince me that Mauricio Pochettino would 100% take the Manchester United job if he was offered it, because I think he's better off staying put in London. And we're also talking about the news about Manchester City this evening. Breaking news over in Germany. Newspaper reports out there that they've broken and severely broken financial fair play rules and what that could mean for the club. We'll be going over all the information next on the Excess Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social Legend Review. Hello, I'm Jim and this is the Manchester Football Social. City and United head-to-head every single night of the week. Have your say. 0345 is the number to call. Two footballing legends in the studio with me in the shape of Gary Owen and Mickey Thomas. And we've got City comedian and fan Mike Newell in the studio as well. If you want to get involved, give us a bell. Have your say on whatever you like. But I asked a question earlier. I want someone to convince me that Mauricio Pochettino, if... He was offered the Manchester United job. Obviously, there is no job to be offered right now. But if he was offered it, would he take it? The full-time Devils boys, our United show on a Thursday night on Excess Manchester, were basically saying, yeah, but is he? has he got the skills? Has he got the big club experience to come to Manchester United and do a good job? I think more the question is, why would he leave Spurs and his little project there in North London where he's building a team, they've got a new stadium, he's got a dynasty that he's trying to set up. Why would he leave that? and come to Manchester United. We're going to go straight to the phones on this one because we've got John waiting. Evening, John. Good evening, Jim. How are you doing? You OK? Yeah, I'm all right, my friend. Thanks for coming on. So, convince me. Would Mauricio Pochettino uh, take that gig? I think he would. If money was the correct option, um, obviously managing the biggest club in the world, what, what's he got to turn down? Um, like you said, I don't think the position's available at the moment. This year, obviously, Mourinho there at the moment. Come January, they're going to give him possibly another £100 million. It's, it's not looking likely at the moment. I think Pochettino is going to be walking Spurs into the new stadium, and we'll see after that. 
Um, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't see it. I, I, if he would have offered the job, would he take it? Can, can I, I ask you the question, it? why should he get the job? I mean, because why, in my, in my opinion, what has he really done? Um, I don't know. To, to what he's done with Spurs, I think he's brought Spurs onto the next level. What um, level is that, though? <laughs> The level is to win the Premier League. Well, but the There's thing only is, mate, if you, if you want a manager that's won stuff, who do you have now? Who do you have? Who do you look at, apart from Zidane? Who, 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 else, is who else is available? <laughs> I, 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 I'm happy with Mourinho at the club. I think he's doing the right thing yeah. at the moment. It might not be the style of the play that all the, fa all, all the fans like at the moment, but I think what he's doing at the club, I think he's doing a good job. Yeah, I think he's, he's sorting out some of the players that are there who are commanding the big wages who need to be kind of put in the place a little bit. And I, I, I think he'll turn it around. I think come Christmas time, I think obviously we'll, we'll hit the top four, which I think he's expected at this moment in time. Um, but I, I just, I, just I, can't, I can't see Pochettino coming to United at this moment in time either. I just I just think he's ready. He wants to take Spurs into that new stadium. He wants to take them players in there. And I, like I say, there's no position available at United at this moment in time. So... I'm I don't know what I'm trying to wind people up a little bit, John, on this one. I've, yeah, got, I've got to admit yeah. on that one. But there is a side of me that looks at the situation at Manchester United and the way that Jose Mourinho talks in the media, and he was at it again at the weekend, talking about the lack of support from the board, and he's made no secret of the fact that he wanted a central defender in the transfer market and he didn't get it. And there's been a lot of light then cast on the behaviours of the Glazers and the way they take money out of the club and Ed Woodward and the way he puts the financial dealings ahead of events on the pitch. And if you're a manager going into that scenario, and it isn't about money because there are many clubs that can pay what Manchester United can pay now. If you look at that scenario, is, are you worried that maybe the top managers who there is competition for their signatures will be put off joining the club? Not at all, no. I think if, if Manchester United come knocking at your door, you, you go to Manchester United. The, the, the wages that they offer, the history, the, the, the biggest club in world football, it's not a club that you turn down, but it's the only, like I say, the only the other manager who, would come, who wouldn't come to United is obviously Pep Guardiola, but there's, there's nobody else really available, I think, suitable, big enough at this moment in time, apart from Mourinho, to take on the, the, the issues that they've got at Manchester United. Pochettino, like I say, he's going he's gonna to be take Spurs into a new stadium and then possibly from there he's, he's at that stage in his career now where obviously he can choose what club he wants to go to if you're being linked with the likes of Real Madrid you're being linked with the jobs of Manchester United then it's only one of them clubs is going to come and take you one day I think Spurs are at that level where I don't know he, he's got to that ceiling he can't take them much further now they've kind of got he's got to that ceiling at that point so we, I think Pochettino will be ready for the move but where he goes to next I, 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 I literally don't know Has he not just I signed think, a new contract? Yeah, yeah, but what what, what, do, what what do the contracts mean these days? They don't mean anything, do they? If the money money talks is obviously within these football. And if the clubs can afford to buy people out of these contracts, then they will do. I think it, it, Pochettino's in the same position kind of Mourinho is at United with obviously with his, with his money spending. Daniel Levy doesn't spend great ma massive amount of money, does he? And they're, obviously they're investing in a new stadium. So well, I, I, I think know you, keep, you know people say you know, he's, he's going to go to a new stadium. He's still got the same group of players. He's not going to make him any better, is it? Going to a new stadium. No, no, no I, don't, you, you, I don't know. Maybe it's playing away from Wembley, getting, getting having the actual home ground to go and play at again. Mm -hmm. But again, it's where the Spurs push on from there. Uh, do, does anybody see him getting any further in Europe? I can does see them see building. Him I can see them building on the new stadium. And I look at the players they've got, and your Canes and your Allies, and you go, they've got a young team there. They are in the new stadium. And Arsenal did the same thing when they moved in. They had some lean years before whilst they were saving to build the stadium. And then they kind of kicked on from there and started to invest in the team. And now yeah, this season, we're yeah, seeing something like 
happening. Four or five years after yeah, you moved in there before exactly. you started. Exactly. You, you think by the time they've done that, look at the likes of City now. City, there's a light years ahead of everybody else at this moment in time, you think. Mm. And you, you, by the time Spurs, if you give, give Spurs another five years, where will the likes of City at? Well, Liverpool are starting to kick on from that phase, what they were going through. United possibly might kick on from where they are as well. It's, I, think I don't Spurs know. I, 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 just think, I just think Spurs, yeah, I think Spurs are just at that ceiling now. I, just, I can't see where, how much they're not going to become. The, a big super giant are they? It's, they'll always, I think they'll always be just where they are, like in the top four. I can't, I can't see them breaking into the top two, winning the league anytime soon. The only way, because now it's a level playing field, so United, even with all the money that they've they've had or have, now the, other teams can match what anybody, whatever City offer, whatever United offer. But it comes to a situation where they've done at City, where they've said it doesn't make business sense to pay, for instance, Sanchez. Five hundred thousand pound a week. They come to conclusion and said, "No, it's not for us. We made our bid. We did what we said. You end up going to United for twice as much money." Same exactly. job with the same with job with that Fred. So it'll come to a situation where teams, because they're all getting the money now for Champions League, is that are able to go out and pay a hundred million for somebody because it's not really touching the budget. Only Tottenham, because their their stadium has gone something like four hundred and seventy million over. Yeah what they expected it to be. Now, I understand what Gary Neville was saying to Jamie Carragher, is that you have to cut your cloth accordingly. You can't... There's no money for transfers left after that. Arsenal found it when theirs was... cost them too much to build that stadium. It, four years before they get onto a level playing field. And they all blamed uh, uh, Wenger. And in the end, it probably was Wenger's fault. When they did have the money, he wouldn't spend it. But I think now it's more of a level playing field, so nobody's going to have the advantage of it or anybody else because... Teams will now, with the money that's going to football, most teams at the top will be able to go and buy whoever they want. And they'll all be, they took to play who they decide to go to. John, cheers for your call, mate. Thank you very much for that. 0345 7625 is the cut number. If you want to get involved, 87711 is the text number. As City fans, obviously Mickey's going to defend United and their status tooth and nail. But do you think there is an element of, I mean, John there, as a fan, is talking about United being the biggest club in the world. And at the moment, you'd have to say, yeah, they are still the biggest club in the world. How long can they maintain that status and that aura where they can attract the biggest managers and the biggest players if they're not continuously winning the biggest competitions? Who are we talking to now? Mickey, uh, <laughs> you carry. All right, listen, for, uh, for me, players will always want to go to the clubs that they feel they're going to win things, unless it's all about money. And Sanchez, in my opinion, was all about money. But having said that, I had, the, uh, I had the same discussion with my pal who's here, Walshie, who everybody knows Walshie, um, we had the same thing. And um, I said, without looking through blue-tinted glasses, if somebody's offering you 250 grand, and then Manchester United, who've got Lukaku, have got uh, Pogba, have got De Gea, have uh, got um, uh, all good players that matter, uh, Rashford's coming through, they've got Martial, and somebody's then going to offer you 500 grand a week, which is double your money, and the argument was, well, is that why? Is that enough for you, 250 grand a week? But if you're going to be getting 500 grand a week and you're going to be playing in front of 75,000 and you're going to have Mourinho as your manager and you're going to be playing with the players that's already good players, mm. I can see exactly why I went to, you, to United. Well, plus exactly. the fact we walked away because... Yeah, we did, it, yeah. It upset the apple oh, Yeah, because we wouldn't pay, but if somebody's offering yeah. you 500 grand, look who you are. It's not as though he's going to... A lesser, a, a, a lower level side. He's going to Manchester United have won things in the last twenty odd years. Only of recent history, United have won the FA FA Cup or the uh, 
um, Carabao Cup, they've won the Europa League. I know it's not Champions League, but they're winning things. And they've been in, in uh, I think they missed out on Champions League once. So they've been in Champions League each year. But so it's not as though you're, as though you're going to a, a, a team that's not going to a chance of winning anything. It's only because it's not, they've not got it going this year. And and probably they're leaving a bit too late now. Probably have left it too late for the for the Premiership. But Manchester United, Manchester United, seventy five thousand. You go in there wherever you go as a player for Manchester United, people will know you, and you're getting five hundred grand a week. Of course you'd go to United. I go to United but, but for five hundred grand a week. But Jim, you're, but you think Jose? what Jim, you're alluding to is obviously United can't keep doing what they're not doing is winning the major trophies, and that is the Champions League and, and mm -hmm. the Premier League because you know they have to do that. You know, you, I mean, you have to go through a period. Maybe they are maybe in transition again because they've had three managers in quick succession, haven't they? Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying Manchester United have got great yeah. players, but not a great team. Yeah, not gelling. If you want to get involved, great players, in, not a great team. If you want to get involved tonight, oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five is the number. Eight double seven double one is the text number. We're going to talk about Manchester City next, and some breaking news that's come out over the last twenty four hours about the FIFA financial fair play rules and how Manchester City might be in hot water because of some irregularities there. We're going to talk about that next, get all the information, and if you want to have your say, it's 87711 on the text, and if you want to give us a call, it's 0345-111-7625. We'll do that next on the Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. Legend Review. This is the Manchester Football Social. If you like what you hear, then make sure you're following us on Twitter, our brand new Twitter account, at MCR Footy Social. You can get even more footy action from the team. Make sure you're following that, and if you want to get involved in tonight's show, it's 0345 7625. That is the phone number. 87711 is the text number. Mickey Thomas, Gary Owen and Mike Newell in the studio with me. And we're going to talk Manchester City now, because everything on the pitch is pretty rosy for City at the moment. But off the pitch, maybe they're in for some choppier water. A German version of the Daily Mirror has published a story over the last 24 hours concerning City and the breaking of financial fair play rules. It's quite complicated, it's quite in-depth, so to give us all the details, we've got Niall. He's our Manchester football social journalist, he's in the studio, and he's going to tell us a little bit more. Evening, Niall. Evening, Jim. Tell us, go on, fill us in, what's been said in this German newspaper? Uh, well, they're not pulling any punches. This German newspaper called Der Spiegel, which, as you said, is uh, basically the German word for the mirror. Uh, in essence, they've said that City have been breaking financial fair play rules and not just by a little bit, by a hell of a lot. Um, the article says, and this is a quote here, since its purchase by the Sheikh of Abu Dhabi, Manchester City has managed to cheat its way into the top echelon of European football and create a global, immensely profitable football empire along the way. The club's newfound glory is rooted in lies. And what it boils down down to Jim it's the relationship between the football club and their principal sponsors Etihad the problem is that the Abu Dhabi based airline is actually led by Sheikh Mansour's half brother and the financial fair play rules were implemented uh, to ensure that clubs don't start sliding into debt to obviously ensure that the European competitions like the Champions League are more fairly contested uh, and actually City by the time they won the league in 2012 had spent 1.1 billion pounds which is the biggest investment into any English club that we've ever seen uh, in, in the British game 
the article actually claims that when Mancini was sacked, City had a £10 million shortfall in order to comply with the financial fair play regulations, and so they decided they'll need to find more sponsorship money to plug that gap, which sounds all well and good, uh, but the problem is that Etihad, as I said, run by Mansour's half-brother, would simply just send more money over. And although it's technically sponsorship money, they're effectively City self-funding themselves through Abu Dhabi-based companies, which they have a connection to, which is massively against the rules. And the issue here is that they're sponsoring themselves uh, and that rule change is, is something that was brought in to stop this happening. Mm. And Manchester City are effectively doing it. Um, leaked emails from people inside the club uh, have shown that they kind of have this arrogance about them. We can do what we want with Manchester City. Uh, and to really hammer home how bad this is, it's alleged that City has actually set up a secret project to hide all of this and to hide all of the costs that they've been uh, they've been incurring. So we're going to find out more about those allegations as the rest of these articles are released through the week. Niall, thank you very much for the information there. We have to bear in mind this is a tabloid newspaper in Germany and we know... Uh, they got good lawyers. Yeah, well, this is part of it. We know there's some, there's some pretty heavy accusations in there. We're going to talk about that in a moment. I just want to introduce Nicholas McGregan, who's on the phone. Evening, Nicholas. Evening, how are you? Very good. Thanks for coming on. I know you've been looking at these stories and these articles over the last few days and hopefully they're going to be able to fill us in on some of the information here because the allegations being thrown at City here, it's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a heavy-hitting piece of ju journalism by Dish Beagle and other journalists. Uh, I mean, I would take a slightly different take on it from, from Niall's explanation, which was, which was very clear, but it, it wasn't so much that City broke the rules. Everyone knew they broke the rules. I mean, they, they admitted that they broke the rules and were fined £20 million, uh, 20 million pounds, or euros, I can't, I can't recall exactly. Um, but it's more the manner in which they acted. Uh, to disguise uh, the fact that they were breaking the rules and the, the intimidation uh, which they subjected um, people to. Um, so it really wasn't just about breaking the rules, but rather it was a sort of culture within the club where they felt they were above the rules and could intimidate and bully uh, people within the game uh, to, to sort of um, ensure that this was glossed over and they, they got a slap on the wrists, which is, which is what they got. In the Am end. I right in saying that... Um the fine that they got was actually, when was proven, the fine was paid back to City. So, event, um, so, so what you're saying is we loaned FIFA or UEFA 16 million for a year until we proved that their allegations was wrong and they took that money out of the present state that we were in in the, not for money already taken in presence mm. uh, as we went along into the quarterfinals or wherever we got to in there and they took it out of that eventually that slap on the wrist probably got a slap on the wrist back because they give us the money back that we paid them so eventually when we proved that there was no wrongdoings uh, it actually cost the club nothing well, that's not the allegation in Der Spiegel. I mean, I can only talk about what they're saying in Der Spiegel. What they're saying in Der Spiegel is that there were back channels opened with Gianni Infantino at the time, who was the president of UEFA then, not FIFA. Um, and they say in Der Spiegel that the pressure was applied to Infantino, uh, that lawyers from City said that they would sue PwC, Absolutely. Who the auditors. Uh, and they also said that this could perhaps lead to the downfall of UEFA. Now, how true that, how true that is or, or is not, I don't know. I mean, my background, just, just to clarify, my background is on researching human rights abuses in Abu Dhabi. The city are owned by the government of Abu Dhabi. Um, so uh, I guess where I come from, my interest in this is, is looking at the manner in which they operate. Uh, and you see many parallels with how they behave with UEFA. 
uh, with the way they behave generally, whether it's you know their own sort of foreign policy or the way they rule domestically. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's more it's much more about from my perspective how they behave rather than the the technicalities of um, of the payment itself. That's that's what's important, I think. So Nicholas, is this something potentially that? might result in action, be it a transfer ban, be it a fine bill, whatever, being taken against City? Or is this something that's been dealt with and it's more a case of incredibly negative PR for the club? Well, it's not just about City. I mean, I think it's important to say that the people have written extensively about, um, about, for want of a better word, dirty money in football. And they've been writing since Friday night on, the, on this and there'll be more articles coming out this week. So it includes Paris Saint-Germain uh, and the Qatari ownership of them. So the Qataris today, for example, applied to the Court of Arbitration of Sport, I believe, um, to try and quash uh, some action that they fear is going to be taken against them. I'm not entirely sure what, what the potential ramifications are for City. It's not good PR, obviously, um, but City are pretty good at handling bad PR. Uh, so unless this has more teeth or developed more teeth, um, I, they'll probably think that this can, this can pass. Nicholas, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate your expertise. Cheers for that. Thanks for your time. You seem pretty confident with this, Gary. It seems like something that's been something. brushed under the carpet already. Well, and it yeah, is... but you know, when you, when you make these accusations, which they did, and you wonder why City fans felt that we were, we were wrongly treated and why they boo mm -hmm. the, that, because we felt we were uh, wrongly treated, and eventually it was proven that we were wrongly treated, that the money was paid back. So they were wrong, and and the, and and again, the people who are writing these articles now are either very brave, very stupid, or or are doing it for what reason? I have no idea. But they they will face it because if they are wrong, and obviously the club feel that they're wrong, then somebody is going to get nailed. And they've proven it once. If they have to prove it again, they will. This is a big organisation. They're worth five hundred sixty billion, by the way. 560 billion, not million, 560 billion. So I would imagine that they're going to have the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed without, without a doubt, and especially in this. This is a small business, Manchester City, compared to the rest of what they do, of what they're involved in, hmm. and other businesses. So this is a small part of business. Now, if, again, they want to take us on, and like I said, they better be... They better be prepared, because otherwise you'll come back. And I can't think of one second they're going to leave that door open to to be to be ridiculed or to be proven that they're not doing things right. So when, we'll wait and see. When you look at the similar scenarios before, I think PSG had similar accusations against them. I think Barcelona were actually hit with a transfer embargo because of this, but it didn't seem to affect them that much, did it? They just stockpiled players, and then when the transfer embargo was listed, they signed 36 players in one day, I think it was. Of course, it would be interesting to see exactly what they're going to be accusing uh, the Manchester, uh, the, the Etihad group about, because in that group is Manchester City. It'd be interesting to see what they're going to be. And the, these articles coming out from Germany, well, I'll tell you something, you would not want to be having the weight of the lawyers of Manchester City or, or the Abu Dhabi family, family coming on you.
That's a certainty. As Niall said, there is more to come out from these stories and we'll keep you abreast of that on the Manchester Football Social throughout the week as that story develops. But we're going to talk about a local issue. How's this for a juxtaposition? Talking about the financial weight of Manchester City to grassroots football. Because I'm sure you're aware, particularly if you play five-a-side, a a load of power league venues, particularly in Manchester, are being shut down because of financial uh, pressures on the company there. And one of them includes the... 3G pitches, the undercover 3G pitches at Trafford Park. And we've got Neil on the phone who wants to speak about a campaign to keep those pitches open. Evening, Neil. Good evening, Jim. Thanks thanks for having us on, first thank, and foremost. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, tell us about it. So, I mean, for me, I saw the story about the 3G pitches closing down and thought, oh, that's a bit of a pain. It's one less place to play five-a-side football. But it's a bit more than that, isn't there? It is. It is. You're talking about 17 4G pitches, um, you know, 13 indoor, four outdoor. Um, there's also uh, facilities there, not just for football, but also for football, for softball, and for basketball as well. And, and that is using being used by a number of community clubs in the area, from Salford, Trafford, and even further afield. Um, I'm affiliated to a club myself. I actually coach kids football, and have done for a couple of years now. Uh, I look after the under eights and you know it's absolutely critical to help with player development weather is really bad the pitches on grassroots are terrible anyway and we get the called off venues called off games so we use this venue you know predominantly to to keep kids playing football week in week out we're going to lose Neil, I'm really sorry, you're just breaking up there. We're going to just try and get you back in a second. But the story is, let me try and fill in the blanks for Neil and what he's saying. So the 3G pitches, the inside pitches at the Trafford Centre or at Trafford Park are facing closure. I think Neil's saying is that these pitches are very important for kids' development and children to be able to play football in all weathers. And it's one of those elements where we're seeing grassroots football losing its facilities while big business and big football just gets richer and richer. His argument, and there is a currently a campaign to support this, you can go and sign the petition online, is that maybe Trafford Council or the local Manchester councils should step in, subsidise the pitches and keep them open to these community groups and teams. From the point of view of supporting grassroots football, it's difficult to see why there's a problem with that, isn't it? Well, listen, you've got to have grassroots football and I know, I know the Trafford centre pitches used I mean I that's loca- that, location isn't it I've yeah. been there and it's, ne- it's never busy that one right I know I'd play at Stockport and that one I mean obviously as a, as a if it's a company that's not making money they need to make changes but I think we've got Neil back evening Neil you're back yeah sorry about that Jim um, so right, very quickly I mean, so we're running out of time slightly but the proposal is that Trafford Council take over the running of the pitches is that correct well, the proposal is to at least get it discussed, Jim, because the community has not been consulted at all. Um, you know, there's been no objections on the planning permission whatsoever, and it's not been well publicised. And it feels very much been done under the carpet. There's been a petition started. We've got 5,000 people already on that petition, including um, uh, Mike Cordingly, one of the councillors for, for Trafford as well, that's supporting us. And we want to try and get that uh, number on the petition up as high as we can so that we can get this discussed at local or even national government level. And where can people go if they want to support the campaign? 
it's at uh, change.org. Um, the actual petition itself is uh, under a banner of support grassroots for sports for Trafford, because it's not just football that's affected. Um, you know, just just this weekend to give you a flavour, I was there from nine till. 1.30 and in between that I saw 500 kids enjoying football festivals. Those 500 kids won't get football come the end of January next year because of this change and it's a massive impact to grassroots. Neil, thank you very much for your time. I wish we had more time to speak to you but I'm afraid that is it for the Excess Manchester Football Social. Important issue to support. There your next Phil Foden's. There your next Marcus Rashford's. Get involved with that one. That is it from the Football Social. Thank you very much Mike. Thank you very much Gary. Thank Since you very much Mickey as well. We'll be back tomorrow with your Man City show. Forever Blue with Ian Chief is here tomorrow from 6. Excess Manchester. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.